You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Iowa's Luca Garza, the reigning Big Ten Player of the Year, the preseason favorite for National Player of the Year, as well as Arizona State Guard Remy Martin. Why? Well, it's time for our final top five countdown of our top 20 returning players for the college basketball season. I'll also be joined by Kyle O'Quinn of the Philadelphia 76ers, an alumnus of Norfolk State, where he led the Norfolk State team to an infamous 15-over-2 upset over Mizzou as we continue our focus on HBCUs and their potential to grow the game. Before we get to our guests, I just want to reiterate what we discussed last week. By mid-December, we're likely going to know if the season will start on time on November 10th, the weekend before Thanksgiving, or the weekend after. So that's November 19th, 20th, or November 29th, 30th, December 1st. I said this last week. I don't see it starting in January. Why? Because college basketball can't give up December. There's likely going to be no NBA, no NHL, no bowl games. And there are too many windows for broadcast partners at ESPN, Fox, and CBS. So we're just going to have to wait and see if there will be no non-conference or conference games in December or just conference games in December. But I do think that the schools and the one-bid leagues should be working on that plan B right now, if there are only conference games. The guaranteed games for those non-conference games for those one-bid league teams, that money's likely going to be diminished, the payouts that they get. I spoke with one coach who was supposed to play a team from the Big East, was going to get 90 grand, Initially, but with no fans, likely it would only be 10 grand. So the dollars are going to change if we have non-conference games, which is traditional non-conference games. We talked about this last week. There are promoters, network executives are still working to cluster together tournaments in one site where you could play four games, maybe five, a round-robin schedule, or maybe your tournament all in one site. Leagues are talking about this too. These mini bubbles for a week. So there's a lot of possibilities out there. But I will say this again, and Old Takes Exposed can bring this up. There will be a season. There will be an NCAA tournament. And let's put to rest the season-long NBA-style bubble format. And I'm going to keep saying this. It's impractical to send student-athletes to one site for eight to 10 weeks. Because remember, we're talking about the men and the women if you do that. That's a lot of teams. That's a lot of players. That's a lot of coaches, a lot of personnel that you're pulling off of college campuses. Whether they're virtual or not, I don't like the optics. I don't think the presidents like the optics. It's a lot of money. You got to have the staffs 
of these facilities in that area, the food service people, the cleaning crews, all of them would have to be in the bubble. The NBA is doing it, but they're paying for it. That's tens of millions of dollars. In a budget crunch, these universities, I don't see it. That's why I see either traditional or mini bubbles. That's what I see. So how do we get there? Wear a mask and be smart. That's how we get there. Now, on to one of the most intelligent players in the game and someone who deserves more love, Arizona State's Remy Martin. Remy, one of our top five, top 20 returning players in college basketball. I know that a lot of people in the Pac-12 obviously appreciate you, know what you're all about, and know what you can do for the Sun Devils. Nationally, I think people don't fully appreciate you. For those that have not seen you play as much as they really should, in what way do you think you can impact the game and the Sun Devils this upcoming season? Um, I think just being um, getting people involved a little bit more. I think that, um, you know, we have a amazing talent coming in, new guys coming in, and the returner guys that, you know, have contributed a lot. Um, I think that people um, can see us going very far, and uh, my job is to make, you know, that, that happen. And, um, you know, I just impact the game and, and my energy, whatever really they need me to do. I mean, my whole career I've had different type of, uh, you know, assignments that I had to, to, to overcome coming off the bench, you know, being a facilitator or even scoring. So honestly, whatever the team needs me to do, um, I'm willing to do. And I think that people that watch me and, and, uh, and really have been watching me throughout the years understand. So you flirted with potentially leaving. Uh, we don't know when the NBA is going to start, whether or not there's going to be a G League. I'm confident, and people can remember this, there will be a college basketball season. There will be an NCAA tournament. How much did that uncertainty factor into your decision? Oh, man, it was, it was, a, it was a hard time. It was a hard time. And um, obviously, the main goal here is to make it to the NBA and do whatever it takes to. And um, not being able to know where I'm going to land or if I'm even going to have the, the right opportunity to be able to play and uh, show my uh, abilities um, that that really uh, got to me a little bit. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's not just me. You know, everybody was, you know, hurt by this virus in some type of way. Um, honestly, I'm just happy that my family and everybody that I know is safe. Um, and I think that, you know, the great thing about it is that I have another shot to be able to make that happen. Uh, you know, Arizona State, who's been great to me, um, everybody, the whole state um, has, you know, took me in with open arms and I can't, you know, that's hard to uh, not like, man, if, you know, they I'm trying to make it to the NBA and if not, you know, they welcome me with open arms. That's amazing. And I always have a special plate in my heart for that. So, Remy, the Pac-12 made its announcement of um, no sports in the fall semester. They didn't say necessarily that, you know, there'll be no non-conference. I'm going to wait and see them whether or not they're going to actually have some non-conference in December. If it's a hard January 1st or not, we'll wait and see. But What's the mood in your group knowing that all systems are pointing toward playing in the second semester, whether it's just the Pac-12 or some non-conference, but they are committed to making sure this happens, especially after not having a football season in the fall? Right. I think I think the mindset is to just approach every day as if, you know, their tournament was going to be or the NCAA uh, was going to open up tomorrow. You know, because of so much uncertainty, you just want to continue to get better and continue to gel as much as you can 
as a group. And I think that's, that's all really all we could do because of this uncertainty in the time that we're in. But, um, you know, we just want to stay in the gym as much as possible, get better because, you know, we're going to have a short time to regroup. Um, you know, it'll, it'll benefit us um, in the long run. So we're just trying to get better in the gym and, and continue to work hard. How long did it take for you to just be in sync with Bobby Hurley? Um, that's the reason why uh, I'm at Arizona State. It was right when, uh, you know, he recruited me. Um, I, I knew what he was about. I knew how he played. I knew he was a point guard. And I knew that everything I want to accomplish in my life, he has done. And, you know, what better person to guide me through that than him? Um, you know, his energy, his care for other guys and, you know, his love for the game. And it, it, it takes you to a whole nother level because if you play with somebody who loves the game just as much as you, um, there's nothing to worry about because you'll do whatever it takes for, for it to happen. All right. So how often have you had to calm him down a little bit? <laughs> Honestly, it's uh, it's been a couple of times, been a couple of times. You know, I don't want him to get ejected. You know, I, I'll take a, a tech but I won't take another one because I won't be able to play with him anymore. But, um, you know, it's been a couple of times. Just let him know. I understand what, what he's feeling. I want to do that as well. And certain things we just can't do. And, uh, you know, he does a great job, though. He hasn't he hasn't got ejected as much as I thought he would. But, uh, you know, he's um, you know, he just loves the game. And I think the refs know that. I think they know where he's coming from. And um, I'm here to back him wherever he's at. All right, Remy, in what way are you going to be a better player for your senior season? I want to win a lot more. I think that Arizona State has, you know, really been a winning program, but not where I want it to be. I want it to, I want to win a national championship. I want to win the Pac-12 um, championship. I have so much things that I want to do um, before I leave. And I think that, you know, this, is be, this being my last year, um, you know, I just want to win every game. At the end of the day, we don't play this game to, to lose in any aspect. Um, and I think that, at the end of the day, what I want to do is win. And that's just why I want to leave a winning uh, imprint on this organization. You know, I'm looking at this past season, Cassius Winston, Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, and someone that you know very well in your league, Peyton Pritchard. Um, you see how much better they got each season. You know, their senior seasons were incredibly special, launching them into hopefully NBA careers. What do you take from watching players like that, that actually play, if not your same position, but certainly guards? Um, just the growth, right? Like just the consistency. Um, at the end of the day, everybody has their own path. Everybody, you know, wants to make it to the NBA. But if you just stay consistent and you just work as hard as you can, I mean, that's all you could ask for. Um, and I'm just watching them, just seeing how, you know, they, they grew and how they got better and not only scoring, but in every aspect of the game. And at the end of the day, right, as point guards, we want to win. And those guys won. Those guys really uh, – you know, made an impact in, in college basketball. And I think that, you know, who wouldn't want winners no matter where you're at? Um, and I think that that just leaves a big imprint on, on people because nobody wants to lose. Like, like I said, again, we don't play this game to, to, to lose at any means necessary. So um, just, the, just the winning attitude and the whatever it takes to win uh, mentality I, I got from them. All right. So I know you haven't had a chance to work out with this team yet. And, you know, you're talking about those newcomers and obviously it's led by Christopher. Um, what do you anticipate when we get to that point, when this team is together, what it could look like? Um, I anticipate us winning, you know, every, every game, if, if possible. You know, we like I said, we don't want to lose at all. Uh, we have the talent to be able to believe that and to be able to, you know, achieve that. And I think that, you know, those guys and newcomers, I've spoken to them a little bit and just, 
feeling their love for the game as well. Like these guys have been dominating high school basketball for a very long time. And that passion and that love to be able to stay on top and to be able to win um, at that level, um, it continues. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, stop. Every time you go to a next level, you get hungrier and hungrier when you've been dominating like that. And I think that um, those guys are, are going to come in and just do whatever it takes to win. And when you have guys that just do whatever it takes to win, no matter what it is, it always falls into place because winning is the ultimate goal for everybody. All right. Last thing, Remy, if I told you coming out of high school and look, it's just my list here at March Madness, but still, I think it means something. You'd be one of the top five returning players in college basketball entering your last season. What would you have told that young Remy Martin? Um, I would have told him, keep working hard. Honestly, I've never been a guy to really, you know, look at, you know, those type of things because I felt like all my life I've been an underdog and I've always wanted to achieve um, higher uh, expectations than what was set on me. But, um, you know, Andy, I honestly appreciate it. Like, I really do. Um, I don't think there's many like you, but um, I'm here to, you know, just continue to grind and continue to, you know, work as hard as I can. That's all I've been about. That's all I've been wanting to do. And I think the rest will take care of itself. That's always um, been my thing. Um, but I really do appreciate it. I, and I'm here to, you know, I'm, I'm here another year to be at Arizona State to not only show people that, you know, I am who I want to be, but to be able to just to win, be more of a winning program, put Arizona on a higher pedestal than they already are. So um, honestly, I appreciate that. I would tell the the younger Remy Martin just to keep working, stay with the core, stay true to yourself and be able to, you know, keep proving people wrong because, you know, I'm a young guy and the list keeps getting longer and longer. So I just got to keep crossing people out. So that's I appreciate that, Andy. And I thank you so much for that. Well, I appreciate you, Remy. You're what's good for the game. I can't wait to see you back on the court uh, sooner than later. And I'm glad you're back in college basketball. Most importantly, stay safe. And hopefully we'll get on the other side of this sooner than later. Yes, thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate you. Everybody stay safe. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now it's time here on March Madness 365 for our final five. Top five in our top 20 returning players for the college basketball season. Let's start at number five. Best defensive player in college basketball last season is back again this season. Marcus Garrett from Kansas. He was the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. Expect him to potentially be a two-time winner of this award. We'll have to wait and see if that happens, if another big doesn't emerge that potentially could steal this from him. But in terms of players on the wing who can lock someone down, Marcus Garrett is one of the best, was the best last season and could begin this season. He's no slouch offensively. Average nine a game, four and a half boards. Without Devon Dotson, he'll be expected to do a little bit more offensively, but doesn't want to get out of his lane. His main aspect for Bill Self and Kansas is to make sure he's one of the top defenders in the country again. At number four. Martin, another one. Got it again! Degree of difficulty off the charts tonight for him. Let's go out west to, I think, one of the most undervalued players in the country. Certainly not in Arizona State. He's highly valued. But maybe one of the more underappreciated players in the country. And that's Remy Martin from Arizona State. Averaged 19 points a game. 
one of the better scorers, obviously, in the country and in the Pac-12, can distribute the ball, makes money shots. With Verge back for Arizona State, uh, adding uh, one of the best recruiting classes in the country, um, this Arizona State team has a legitimate shot, not just to win the Pac-12, but be a team that makes a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And Remy Martin is one of those players who's gotten better and better throughout the course of his career, has really just connected with Bobby Hurley as an extension of Hurley. He's got his toughness on the court. Remy Martin checking in at number four for us here in the top five countdown in college basketball, the top 20 returning players. In number three, they absolutely need a stop here. Go to the Big 12 again. So two Big 12 players here, Kansas and now Baylor. Jared Butler averaging 16 a game last season. Uh, top score on a Baylor team that could start the season at one, two, or three. Uh, they're going to be somewhere in that top three. They held the number one spot for quite some time last season. Uh, Butler, as a junior, will get even better. Uh, decided to withdraw from the NBA draft, much like Remy Martin. Uh, Butler knew that uh, he had a legitimate shot to take this Baylor team to the Final Four. One of the main reasons that he was returning to college basketball. So he checks in at number three. Now we're down to the top two. We're going to head to the same conference, the Big Ten. And number two. DeSumo's trying to create space. Ayo DeSumo from Illinois. The junior guard averaging 16 points a game. One of the clutch players in college basketball. He's a closer. Plays hurt. Can finish a game like no one else in the game right now. The Chicago kid that wanted to come back and deliver the Illini to a potential Final Four. And they got a legitimate shot to get back for their first time since 2005. You got Io, you got Kofi, Kofi Coburn at Illinois. This was a team that learned how to win on the road. They got a legitimate shot uh, to win the Big Ten. Io could be Big Ten Player of the Year. He could be National Player of the Year. First team All-American. He's just got it, and he's going to be even better. Could become a better shooter, and he's working on that, but he wants to win. He is a winner. Now, if he doesn't win Big Ten Player of the Year, that's because the reigning Big Ten Player of the Year is back, and he's at number one for us. Caffrey hands it to Garza. He's three. Dagger for Luca Garza. Luca Garza and Obi Toppin last season were the two best players in college basketball. Obi Toppin left for the NBA. Luca Garza thought about leaving for the NBA. He's back. Played 32 minutes a game on average. 23.9 points. 9.8 boards. Uh, he will go down as one of the greatest players all time at Iowa. As a senior, he's got unfinished business. Win the Big Ten, get Iowa to the Final Four. Uh, look, there's another Luke out there who has become one of the best players in the NBA and could be for quite some time. Well, this Luca in college basketball will be joining that Luca in the NBA in a couple seasons. But uh, this Luca is a great winner. He rises to the challenge of playing against the best players in the game. Home road, it doesn't matter. He can put a 20, 25, 30 spot on you. His defense has gotten better. Like Io, he's a winner, better passer, 
better rebounder, better leader, has become much more of an extrovert, was a little bit more of an introvert initially, speaking out more, challenging his team. Uh, Iowa fans love him. And I think fans around college basketball and certainly the Big Ten really appreciate everything that Luca Garza accomplishes on the court. So Luca Garza, back in college basketball and our number one player in terms of the top 20 returning players for this upcoming season. Let's hear from Iowa star. Luca, no surprise, you are the top returning player in college basketball in our March Madness top 20 returning players. Um, we talked briefly after your decision, but I just want to revisit now that you've had some time to think about it even more um, in terms of making that decision to return for your senior season with a chance to be National Player of the Year again, to potentially lead Iowa to Big Ten or possibly a national championship. Now you've had time to think about your decision. Why'd you make it again? You know, I'm, I'm still, you know, obviously very excited that I made this decision. I think it was the best decision for, you know, myself and my family and just my career in general. I think, you know, one last year uh, to be able to finish out my career and, and to have the team that we have the potential of having, I think there's, there's no other alternative that would have, uh, you know, seemed right. Um, and I think, you know, especially with all the work that I'm putting in this summer, I think next year I'll be able to showcase that um, and, and, and help myself uh, in the MPA's eyes. What was your reaction from your teammates? Everyone was really excited um, and, and pumped up. I think there were a few were like a little concerned and, and they didn't know you know what I was going to do and it was just a lot of fun um you know with my roommates we were all really excited I told them a little bit before I got on the zoom session with the whole team and I told everybody else and everyone was really excited and motivated and um you know we're all excited to get back to campus and, and get to work and start you know preparing for this season you know, the decision that you made, which most of your peers made uh, in college basketball that were had that time frame, you know, they were looking at that certainty of college basketball versus the NBA, the G League. Uh, we're all confident there will be a season. Maybe it won't start on time. We don't know yet, but there will be a season. We're very confident there will be an NCAA tournament. Uh, the NBA, there will be, but we have no idea when it's going to start. Uh, how much did that factor in to your decision about College basketball, start time, finishing versus the unknown of when the NBA will start that 2021 season. It definitely was a factor. I think in the beginning where, you know, once there was a spike in the United States, obviously there was a, you know, raised concern with, uh, you know, if we were going to even have a season and, um, you know, whatever the case may be. So that, you know, obviously affected me for a little bit, but I had the right conversations with the right people, you know, talking with Coach McCaffrey. And Coach McCaffrey talked with uh, you know, Kevin Warren and a lot of other people that you know are in high places who obviously are very sure that we're going to have a season. And I feel like you know either way, making a decision you know based on uncertainty you know wouldn't have been smart and the unknown because you don't know. You know, making this decision was the best decision no matter what. You know, obviously we have a better chance of playing than you know um, any of the fall sports, and I think that's you know, very exciting for our guys. And we're just trying to stay as safe as possible to make sure it happens. Well, I'll go on record as saying I think college basketball will start before the NBA. Um, I, I'm just convinced of that based on their timeline. Hopefully they will finish their season into mid-October. So we'll put that aside. Um, the unfinished business, because you guys didn't get a chance in the Big Ten tournament, in the NCAA tournament, to, to make a run. Um, and you were playing better at the time. 
what do you think could have happened and what do you anticipate now with the core of this group coming back, a healthy Jordan Bohannon, uh, of what could be accomplished with this group? Yeah, there's a tremendous amount of potential for this team. And I think, you know, for us, it starts on the defensive end and us really locking into that because we're going to be one of the toughest teams to guard in the country. And we already know that with all the offensive uh, you know, power, you know, we have from all our guys. And um, I think, you know, this past year, um, I feel like our team was playing really well going into into March. And I think we were a team that was bound to make a run. And, and we're hard uh, to scout for on, on, on a short time limit for other teams, and I think. You know, when you, with the combination of shooters we have and the inside presence, um, you know, I think it would have been a tough matchup for any team this past postseason. And I think, you know, that's something that also contributed to my uh, decision. You know, you, you dream of playing in the NBA, but you also, you know, dream of playing in the NCAA tournament. So I think that being taken away from me was something that I wanted to make sure I came back and, and experienced it again because um, I've obviously only been there once. And so I'm very excited to do it with this team. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So defense, it was a fair criticism of Iowa uh, during your college career, not you specifically, but your team. Uh, In what way do you think this team's defensive efficiency will be improved? You know, I think, first of all, with all the experience we have, I think after years of just playing in our system and our defense, you know, you get better each year. And I think we've seen that from all our guys who came in as freshmen. And, you know, obviously my freshman year, we, we're really bad defensively, and now we've gotten ourselves to a better defensive rating. And now, you know, we're just continuing to take steps forward and, and, and be more of a vocal team that communicates a lot. And, and whether we're switching defense or whatever the case may be, we all have to be on the same page. And we all know that that's, you know, what's going to make or break us as one of the top teams in the nation or just an average team. So I think for us, it's very important to lock in on that end because um, we know no one's going to stop us on the other end. So, you know, obviously you want to be a favorite. You want to win a league like the Big Ten, but you're also a big-time competitor. Uh, I'm curious your reaction when you saw the high number of players who were returning to the Big Ten in your same position. Really, the only one that decided to go was Xavier Tillman. Uh, otherwise, I mean, Illinois gets Ayudasumu and Kofi Coburn back. Uh, Wisconsin didn't lose anybody. Rutgers didn't lose anybody. Michigan gets Isaiah Livers, Michigan State, Aaron Henry. Uh, even a team like Minnesota gets Marcus Carr. You know, the depth of this league, I don't want to leave out Indiana, Purdue. I mean, I I could go down the list. There's legitimately 11 to 12 teams that I think will be in contention for an NCAA tournament berth. What was your reaction to what you were seeing and what you anticipate will happen in the Big Ten? I was very excited about it. You know, I'm, I'm a player who wants to play against the best. You know, that's why I came to the Big Ten in the first place. And it's proven to be that since I've gotten here. And each year we've had a very deep league, and I think this is going to be our, our deepest as a league. And I think that's, you know, that's something very exciting for me, and I'm, I'm excited to match up against all those guys and those great teams and hopefully get some great wins over them. All right, so I know this obviously from covering the Big Ten. What do people nationally not know about what's really become a, a good rivalry between Iowa and Illinois, which I think will be fantastic this upcoming season? You know, since I got here, you know, my freshman year, our only really competitive games, you know, were against them and, and we played very well and, and, and beat them uh, three times. And I think since then, it's been very, very competitive between the two of us. And I think each year there's just a different, you know, sort of mindset you take into that game. You know, this year was a lot of fun. Both games were a lot of fun. I feel like, you know, we should have won on the road. Um, you know, it was a very close game for us and, and we fell into a little bit of a hole in the second half. So that's something that's on all of our minds going into next year. 
Um, but it's 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 been a lot of fun so far in my three years playing against Illinois. I'm excited for this year. I think it's going to be the best. So one of the things that's thrown out there, and we'll see how it all plays out scheduling-wise, there is a chance if we go conference games only, you could have 26 Big Ten games, which would be as tough a schedule as anyone would have to face in the country. Uh, that is a possibility, and there's many of them. But if that were to come to pass, what would you think of that? You know, I think that's a lot of fun for us. And I think going into the tournament, you know, no team would be ready to face any other team besides us. We'd be so excited to play somebody outside of the Big Ten. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, for us, um, I think we're a very confident group and we, we're confident against any team in the Big Ten. And I think that's only going to prepare us and build us up for March or May, whatever the case may be. All right. So every player can get better in some way. Uh, you easily could have gone to the NBA. We know that as a national player of the year, Big Ten player of the year. How have you gotten better and how will you get better before we see you tip it off for the first time this season? You know, there's a lot of things I've been working on. Obviously, you know, I heard a lot about my lateral movement and lateral quickness, you know, and I've been working on that as much as I can. You know, obviously translates to the defensive event and guarding ball screens and and, and being able to, you know, stop, you know, guards from penetrating to the rim and, and also just improving, you know, my timing around the rim and blocking more shots and whatever the case may be. And, you know, on offense, you know, I've been working my jump shot a lot and my range, just continuing to improve, you know, my off the dribble moves, you know, where I shot fake and, and, and being able to take one, two dribbles into a pull up or a step back or whatever the case may be. And, and in the post, you know, there's, there's a lot of things I'm working on, um, you know, fadeaways, different counters, other things. And I'm always trying to add, uh, things to my game. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm working on and I'm excited to show it. All right, last thing, Luca. Um, you're not the only Luca right now in basketball. <laughs> there's another Luca who has made a name for himself as one of the best players on the planet. Uh, Luka Doncic, uh, you know, triple-double, game winner uh, for the Mavs over the Clippers. What are your thoughts on that Luca and now this name <laughs> as uh, one of the hottest names in the sport? You know, it's I'm I'm such a fan of Luca. I've been watching him all year, all these these past two years, and you know, being Bosnian as well, it's great to see you know another European player just dominating at, at this level. And you know, I was jumping up and down when he hit that shot. And my favorite team is the Lakers, but I'm kind of becoming a big fan of the Mavericks. Um, so you know, that's it's been a lot of fun to watch them. And you know, when I was growing up, there was never another Luca spelled the same way, and whatever the case may be. And so you know, when I was high school, I started to hear his name, and now it's like everywhere. And, you know, you see all these tweets like Luca's going crazy. And I've just, you know, never seen that before with my name. So it's a lot of fun. I'm excited to continue to watch him through these playoffs. Yeah. In a couple of years, uh, it'll be Luca versus Luca somewhere in the NBA. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, Luca, appreciate it. Uh, as our top returning player in college basketball, the preseason favorite for National Player of the Year and, of course, Big Ten Player of the Year. Great to have you back in the sport. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for sure. I had a great time talking to Kyle O'Quinn while he was down in the NBA bubble before the Sixers got swept by the Celtics. Here's our conversation about Norfolk State, HBCUs, past, present, and the future. Uh, Kyle, a couple of things I want to discuss with you. First off, um, that game in 2012, 15 over to Norfolk State over Missouri. Um, you were right. I mean, you were as important a piece as anyone, if not the most important piece in getting that done. Uh, what do you remember most about that victory when you guys shocked Missouri? I just remember the excitement from everybody on the team, just not even realizing what we have done. 
just the athletic director jumping, jumping up and down as if, you know, he was on the coaching staff and the 15 to 20 fans that we did have out there just being on another level. I mean, the green and gold was represented big and I could just remember the excitement that we didn't even know what we were so excited about yet. So a, a 15 knocking off a two, um, it's pretty rare. Not as rare, obviously, as a 16 over one. What, what was your guys' mindset going into a game like that? Well, we had a lot of seniors. We had three seniors in the starting lineup. And we we just wanted to somehow keep our, our mojo going. You know, we won the conference championship, obviously, which got us to bid into the um, tournament. We just kind of, we were kind of riding off that still. And, you know, we just didn't want it to end that day for some reason. And those guys, you know, where they were, they were riding high. You could tell in their demeanor, they were a little cocky. And we just, we just didn't like that. And then, you know, when they gave us a chance and, you know, when the ball started bouncing in our favor, we just said, man, listen, they, they're, they're a basketball team, just like we're a basketball team. And we feel like we're well coached as well. So we went out there with that confidence and that's what got us over the hump. So that was back in 2012, and um, we are now eight years later, uh, and we are talking about HBCUs like never before, and obviously a lot of that has to do with people you know, waking up to not just the, the great institutions, but also the opportunities that are there. Um, a lot of this conversation obviously came after the murder of George Floyd, uh, the protests across the country, and really people just looking deeper at the systemic racism that's gone on in this country. And, and, you know, one of the potential benefits of everyone sort of being more alert to our our surroundings are HBCUs and, and hopefully they're, you know, gaining more popularity from your vantage point, someone who went there, why do you think players like yourself have not flocked there as much uh, in recent past? I think just the simple, the obvious fact of, you know, the resources and the facilities, you know, we can't wow a five-star recruit coming out of high school with the facilities and things around it. You know, the institution is, you know, decorated and great, but, you know, some of these big, big institutions, you know, like the Dukes, North Carolinas, Kentuckys, they have things that we just don't have the access to, which makes it a little tough on the recruiting and makes it a little tough on the selling point. But, you know, everybody that goes, there gets a great education and has the opportunity to do great things after college is just from the eye test. It's kind of tough to, you know, pass when these guys have every school in the country at their fingertips. McCormaker had chose Howard, could have gone in the NBA draft. Um, Nojel Eastern, a player from Purdue, just transferred to Howard. Uh, you know, so maybe they're going to become more trailblazers, if you will. Uh, what's your hope here going forward for elite players, potential NBA players to see the benefit of going to an HBCU? I mean, I like it. Of course, I hope it turns into a thing because you know, I'm a true fan of if you're good enough, they'll find you, you know, especially with social media and, you know, the access to stats game by game and games being streamed all over the world. Um, if you're good enough, they'll find you got, you know, guys like, you know, myself, Damian Lillard, Robert Coverton, you know, CJ McCollum, who probably was, didn't have as many televised games, but they found the talent and rightfully so. So hopefully it's a trend and hopefully more kids start going that route to, receive the opportunity that they deserve, get the opportunity to be, you know, all they want to be going into their freshman year. But on the flip side, you know, I hope that the HBCUs, especially mine, you know, is ready to answer that call, you know, um, up in the level of expectations. And also, you know, you know, being that division one university that these kids dream to come to as they're going up through their youth. And, and I could go a little bit further back. Um, last week, uh, you know, I talked to Avery Johnson, 
graduate of Southern, one of the best SWAC players of all time, obviously, an NBA champ, great coach. Um, and then just more recently in the coaching, uh, well, first of all, you can go back and Ben Job and Fang Mitchell. I mean, those guys uh, were iconic, but just maybe didn't get the national attention. But now we got Mo Williams, NBA champ with the Cavs. He takes over at Alabama State. And I think that's significant as well. You know, here's a guy that's got a name in the sport and probably could have gotten, you know, a higher level job, maybe competed for his alma mater at Alabama, but chose Alabama State. How much do HBCUs need also the coaches to make those kind of decisions? I love how deep you're going because, you know, now these kids have somebody they can talk to that have been there, lived it, and done it. You know, their career has gone where it has, and everybody's looking for guidance. I know I was when I was 18, 19 years old, so... To have like a guy like Mo Williams step into the HBCU realm and, you know, I'm sure he's making himself super accessible to these guys so they can further their career um, is clutch. You know, having a name, like you said, but not only just a name, but having everything else to back it up. He has a decorated NBA career and hopefully he can put a college coaching career together where his resume could go up there with one of the greats as well. And it could really be something moving towards the HBCU push forward. You know, it also just shows just how difficult it is to sustain it. I mean, after you guys, you know, won that game, it's just so hard to keep coming back and pull off upsets or really be back on a consistent basis. What do you think needs to change to where programs can be those programs? Even if, you know, I mean, because we can think about it in other sort of one-bid leagues around the country. Uh, there are certain schools in the Missouri Valley that we hear about every year. Um, you know, so it's, it's hard to, to keep those rosters intact from year to year and not get poached by higher level uh, to where they can win on a consistent basis. I think that is just the consistency that the programs can deliver. And you get a certain type of player every year. You know, you're being the talk to get the top player out of the Hampton Roads area. You know, like you got to start small. We can't go on a national scale. We know that we're not going to get the number one player out of Seattle, you know, to bring them to an HBCU. Can we? Yes. But, I think, you know, hitting singles and doubles is much better than hitting home runs. So how it is going to be great, hopefully that now the next recruiting class, they kind of filter in and, you know, go to Winston-Salem State University, maybe a Maryland Eastern Shore, maybe a Delaware State, maybe a Norfolk State. And with that being said, you know, you're starting to get kids to kind of just, you know, flood the conference and flood the HBCUs where, you know, the winning becomes a normal thing. So for those that maybe aren't as familiar we're talking about the basketball end. What is it about the overall college experience at an HBCU that an African-American would get out of that that maybe they don't know uh, because it's not as publicized nationally and certainly they're not as um, you know household names as a lot of other universities around the country? Well, it's the beauty of best of both worlds, in my opinion. You know, you come there just as comfortable as you were in high school because the numbers are low. You know, we had 7,000 kids on campus. Um, you pretty much see everybody every day, but at the same time, you get the college experience where you have to grow in for yourself and get the pleasure of being away from home because it's a campus life. So I'm speaking from Norfolk State's perspective. The numbers are low, so it keeps it intimate, and you have people that talk your language. You have people that know the culture, you know, know where you've been, know where you need to be in life, know where you need to be at a certain point in life to get to where you want to go. So you have people that are super in tune with the development of African-American, young African-Americans, and the culture is very, very, very represented on the campus. So I just think that it's the comfort level of all of that put together. And, you know, even for the other nationalities, you know, we don't have to just go African-American, you know. Other kids come there and get an experience where it stays in them for life. And, you know, you see kids from the baseball team, all of those were African-Americans. 
you know, so they come back and, you know, they, they're part of the culture as well. I just think it's one of those things where you have to take the opportunity to kind of like open yourself up to get a great, not only to just get a great education, but learn some stuff outside of your norm and, you know, be comfortable while learning it. So Kyle, I want to flip this on someone like me. Um, and I've been trying more and more over the last year to, you know, to, to shine the light. I mean, how much should those in the national media and those that aren't at the HBCUs, whether it's in the television networks to get more of these games on, um, or those of us that, you know, are involved in the sport in our daily lives, how much is the onus on us to make sure we pay even more attention and give them the recognition that they deserve? I just think that it's one of those things where you have to think if there's something going on at a big university, if you have a kid averaging 20 points over the last 10 games or whatever, going through a nice streak, just open your mind and your heart to that. There's probably somebody doing just as good or maybe even better at an HBCU and just take the time that you know, kind of open up and learn what's going on instead of waiting for a kid to do the, the almost impossible before he gets some national news, national, you know, attention. You know, I always say if we didn't play that game the way we played it and the ball would have bounced and Phil Pressy would hit that shot, how much of an opportunity would I have had? You know, we won that game. We shocked the world. We we messed up brackets. So that kind of gave me and some others some opportunities that weren't there the whole year. We didn't just prepare for that one game. We had a hell of a season that year. And not up until that game, we felt like we never got any type of recognition. So with that being said, you know, in the sports world, you know, you just always kind of like, okay, well, basketball is basketball. We see kids in Division Two doing well, too, you know, but we keep it on HBCUs. If there's a kid at, let's just pick on a university. This is a kid at. Um, well, Ben Wallace went to Virginia Union. Right. You know, yeah, he went to Virginia Union. But, you know, if he went to Kentucky, we would be talking about him every day like he's Tyler Hansborough. No, exactly. Hey, before I let you go, obviously, you're in the bubble with the Sixers. Um, it's working tremendously in terms of COVID because everything's been negative, which is great. But for those of us that aren't there, uh, what's life like? Life is good. I will say that. You're safe. You're sound. You don't really have to worry about much because all the precautions and the protocols are very, very tight and you're safe. I think that a big shout out to the NBA, MBPA for putting this all together. You applaud their work. The only challenge I would say for a guy who came from home with his kids, his family, is, you know, the downtime when you sit here and you're trying to put a schedule together on a day off when, you know, a month ago, two months ago, I was at home hanging out with the kids, you know, maybe going for a jog and coming right back. So it's a little challenging on the downtime being in the hotel room, but at the end of the day, we're safe, we're sound, we're playing the game that we love. And a lot of people are putting a lot of work in to make this place as comfortable as possible. So, you know, I would say all in all, everything is good. And could you retrace your steps on the Disney campus? I mean, how much uh, have you seen the same things <laughs> every time? Every day, honestly, I try to take a different route and I'm running out of routes. Like I'll go through our building and loop around and go through another team's building just to go to the main entrance every day because it's almost like it's only one way there, one way out. So you try to go around as much different ways you can just to see something different. But at the end of the day, you're going to retrace your steps daily. So there's no way around it. But I guess that's just the reality right now. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you taking some time. Talk soon. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You enjoy. Be safe. Thanks again to our incredible team at Turner Sports, Chad Acock, Adam Stoltz, Michael Kaplan, Sean Bartley, and everyone else at NCAA.com. Make sure to check out all of our content at March Madness on Twitter and Facebook. We'll talk again next week. Stay safe, everyone.
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.